can't stay, but baby, it's cold outside. You've got to go away, but baby, it's cold outside. Come in around the JB campfire for this week's edition of the Yogmanito Football Social. Listeners, I'm your host Jimmy tonight. Joe is away. <laughs> Joining me, warming their cockles. Two of the men with the toastiest nuts in Plymouth. Will and Cy. <laughs> Gents, I'll start with you, Will. How toasty are your nuts? Uh, do you know what? When you said that line, I was like, yep, we fully endorse those messages just without the slightly um, pressuring vibes that come with that song. And then you just went to that territory. So, yeah, maybe those those vibes are fully intended. But, yeah, um, I'm just going to answer that question. I'm fine. Thanks, mate. You're fine. Could have done with a bit of custard on your crumble. But other than that, <laughs> literally, never mind. Never mind. Sigh over to you and your broken headset. Yeah. I'm fine. How? My headset's not, but I'm great. That was one hell of an intro, wasn't it? I feel violated. I'm calling HR. That was, <laughs> that came down the headset. That came down the zoom lens, that one. Good. I believe I probably am HR, so uh, right. I'll just delete delete that email. <laughs> Listeners, we, oh, I, I am back. These to have been uh, part of the furniture for the last few weeks. My first appearance since the dreaded C word, not Christmas, but covid and if I start coughing tonight, I'm just going to apologise. There's, there's, there's custardless Darch, there's broken microphone sigh, and there's Jimmy Cough. There we go. Um, guys, first half of the show, we are going to have a look at Everton and what's going on at Goodison Park. Second part of the show, we're going to have some fun with African footballers in the Premier League. Just to start off with, just a couple of little points. Um... First up, Arsenal and their COVID cancellation. Do we really need to uh, point the finger and accuse them of running scared of Spurs as we have done? Or are they just getting away with it because everyone's having a go? Well, what's your, what's your take on Arsenal? Yeah, I feel like it was um, quite quite unfair, unjust, uh, unsporting. I, I really don't think they should have been allowed to with one player positive with COVID, I think that's really, really wrong and kind of makes a mockery of everything. If if you've now got, I don't know, Brentford um, on Wednesday saying, oh, no, we can't play. We've got one player with COVID. Like, is, is that fair? Like, he, it shouldn't matter whatsoever if players are out at AFCON, um, injured, suspended, I just think it, yeah, just like I said, just make a complete, made a complete mockery of it. And I think Arsenal should be ashamed of themselves. Premier League should be ashamed of themselves. And Premier League have made it really tricky for the rest of the season. Mm. Other clubs quite easily are going to be saying, well, you let Arsenal have the game off. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, No, I was just going to jump in. I think I'm more looking at the governing body here. The Premier League have set a bad precedent, a dangerous precedent with this by allowing it to be one player because then every club can go to the, go to the league saying, well, you know, if it's one player can postpone a game, then uh, that's just grounds for ours to be uh, suspended. And I don't really blame Arsenal. It could have been any of the 20 clubs that found themselves in that situation. They're always going to act in their best interests. Um, and the Premier League should have said no. And it's start, it's time now, um, you know, that the Premier League started to draw a line in the sand when, when these games are going to get played. And um, to say... Uh, to mirror the continent that 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 has basically said to te- the clubs, well, if you've got eleven fit guys, it's happening. Um, where on the Premier League seems to protect, want to protect its its um its product a little bit more and and have games set up um in a in a more fair light. Um, so yeah, I don't really blame Arsenal hugely. It's not ideal and it's 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 bad for the consumer, but uh, the league should have should have put a stop to it and said the game should go ahead. I think. Yeah, I think they. I'm sort of you're right there, and you, you touched on the point there about Europe. Um, it was Bayern Munich at the weekend. They fielded 11 players. They had a full subs bench, but on their subs bench, there was not one Bundesliga appearance amongst the substitutes. Um, you know, and I, I, I don't know. I know teams in the Premier League have a set number of players that are allowed in their squad. Uh, I don't know if that's the same same in Germany, but why, you know, why aren't the governing body sort of making them do that it just like you say and it's going to be a very brave person now that refuses a cancellation of a game it's just now fully open to abuse 
playing, you know, they'll play the one COVID card. I suppose a team might not have, well, African nations players away, depending on who it is. But it just seems, uh, yeah, yeah. Arsenal's fight is what means to me. So they're doing because Will highlighted on the on the drive the commute this morning that you know they let uh, Maitland Niles go on loan. They've lost um, other players to Af- Afcon. Um, they've not managed their squad particularly well. So uh, Balogun as well. Yeah, yeah, He's exactly. Gone to Borough on loan, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. Gone out on loan, not not bringing an extra midfielder during the January transfer window, which they had the opportunity mm. to. Um, so I don't think they've really managed the, the, the situation well and. Yeah, maybe maybe I was a bit too lenient on Arsenal. They should have put their foot down and said, no, we want to play, despite the one player we're missing. Um, but anyway. So here we go. Big question for the conspiracy theorists. Did Granite Xhaka get sent off on purpose? I really enjoyed the... Uh, it was Matt Lucas I saw that originally um, shared it, but he said he was sent by someone else. Uh, someone put the, the Tottenham Arsenal like I know where you're going yeah. with a PP and then it still had Jack a red card 38 <laughs> minutes still managed to get sent off yeah um yeah I mean you know people always accuse Jack of not not caring enough for the club after swearing at the fans and all of that kind of stuff maybe he literally took one for the team took yeah, a red card for the team just did. so that they could have that what a hero I think it, I think it's on on Jacka I think it's actually one of uh, Ted's friends told me yesterday I mean, sadly he's an Arsenal fan and if I'd have known that he wouldn't have been in my car but um, apparently Jacques has had to make 19 different public apologies on social media since he's been at Arsenal <laughs> <laughs> I, got, I got no substance or proof for that I just I hope he's true <laughs> really hope how many goals true. has he yeah. got has he got more than 19 goals <laughs> I doubt it wow right let's, let's, let's move on from that because we're never going to resolve that. Someone might, someone might help me with this though. Sorry, why have Newcastle signed Chris Wood? All this money, and they've gone for Chris Wood. You know what? You're, you're framing that. You're framing that in a way that Chris Wood isn't a good player. I think Chris Wood's a really good player. He's got double digits in the Premier League three seasons in a row. I think, which is pretty impressive. And I think any top side would have a have a space in their squad for a Chris Wood plan B type player like uh, I think he could, his ceiling's even higher than Newcastle I think it's a good signing um, they needed a striker um, but Wilson's out what till March um, it also cunningly kind of like uh, you know weakens a, a direct rival in Burnley so I think, ah, it's, I think it's smart business and also like tw- 25 million pounds isn't even a lot to shouldn't even be a lot to Newcastle pre-Saudi like that isn't a huge amount of money in the Premier League anymore um, so yeah what I've always find it funny how they found out about him his availability so he shares an Chris Wood um, shares an agent with Kieran Trippier and when the deal for Kieran Trippier was being done they said that the agent was like well you know my client Chris Wood has a release course for 25 million and Newcastle were like oh right, we'll have some of that so that's always like kind of a brilliant story I think um, buy one right back, get a secondary striker. Yeah, buy one, get one, 25 free. million. Yeah. Well, yeah. I I keep to and fro on this one. I can't make my mind up. Like, on the one hand, I agree with a lot of those points. I, I think, um, you know, he's reasonably proven Premier League goals. Um, he is this, this big man and is good at doing that. And I think it's definite. Like, I could not agree more with the weakening Burnley. I think that might have been the biggest factor of this deal. But I just feel like Eddie Howe doesn't really play in a Sean Dyche way. I feel like he's on three goals this season. What really blew my mind is that he is 30. And I think 25 million for a 30-year-old that's out of contract in 18 months. Then you start going, "Mm, maybe not. Um, And actually, you look at I, I tend to think of him as like a ah oh, he does quite a lot for the team as well as as well as his goals. You go on to like FB Ref and you have a look at some of his advanced stats and actually I don't know how much he does do other than bruise centre halves maybe steps on their feet. You could imagine him being that kind of striker, um, but yeah, twenty five million for Newcastle is absolute pittance at the minute, isn't it? And also there probably is that caveat for them of if we go down, Chris Wood will get us a lot of goals mm. in the championship. 
that had to be a little bit in the back of their mind because all of those Draxler and big name bad contract signings haven't happened. And he he's New Zealander, so there's no dickhead policy. So he's obviously a nice guy. <laughs> you know what I mean? That all black spirit, no dickheads type kind of thing. They've signed Trips, who you know Jimmy affectionately called Scrappy Do, and I think mentality wise, that's a fantastic player to bring in. I think they're both good signings, really good signings. And a Kiwi, yeah, and a Kiwi exactly. He's gonna have, a, he's, yeah, he's gonna be really, really chill, isn't he? Um, yes. I, yeah. I just, I just want to, I just want to sort of dive in here. I mean, go back to the first point that you made, Sai. Because he's six foot three, I wasn't calling him a rubbish player. <laughs> I'm not running scared, but he's bigger than me. I just, my, my, it just what they have at their disposal. It just, I didn't see it. It was, it was just so left field. I thought, and you've already sort of touched on sort of. I was discussing this with Ted yesterday and he just threw it at me. Well, they're only doing it for one reason, and that's to weaken Burnley. And sort of jumped on that. He said, next, you know, they have Timu Puki sort of joining as well. And you just said, yeah, that'll smell a rat then. Although, say the other the other point that the only thing I came to is exactly what you said, Well, next season when they're down in the championship, I think he got 27 goals for Leeds in one season. He'd, he'll easily do that again. Certainly if you've got Trippier still there. They'll have Messi by that point as well, won't they? I don't know who they'll, don't know who they'll sign if they've come for Chris Wood, but no, <laughs> fair enough. Any, can you see any other any other signings for Newcastle just before we move on? They're desperate for a centre-half, aren't the they? The Seville guy. Um, um, yeah, Diego Carlos. Diego Carlos yeah. Um, which close I to think happen, they've switched. Yeah, sounds like it. And that's close to happening because Sven Botman is not happening because it was quite clear for the first two weeks of the window, he was, and even before that, uh, he was definitely the target. But he's going Milan, quite baby. smartly, he's going Milan. Is he mm, to place to replace Ron Magnoli? Oh, that's exciting! Mm. I th- and apparently, that was the thinking. Um, I can't remember who it was. Who it was talking about this? It might have been Ornstein, but it was basically saying that Botman has kind of thought, well. I've got lots of other offers. I do not need to accept to Newcastle. I'll go and get a handsome contract because lots of people want my signature. And rightly so. He's an excellent player. Yeah, I reached too far at the moment for Newcastle, that one. Maybe in the, maybe that sort of profile player in the summer when they really have, when if they secure Premier League football, obviously. But not right now. It's a fire sale right now. They, it's a fire storm. They need one, don't they? Like it's a, It feels like a... Are going to be a snowball effect. How like, desperate do you, you think they're going to get in player. ten days' time? Do we going to do we going to see some wacky stuff? I mean, it's like teetering on the, the you know just, they don't bring anyone in within the next thirteen days, and it's Sky Peter Sports Wingy sat in the car park. Yeah, Peter Odom Wingy out there. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> He's already there, um, <laughs> driving to Newcastle. <laughs> I'm ready. I'm ready. Yeah, yeah good stuff, fun. guys. I, think, I hope they go mad. Anyway, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and still go down. Yeah. Why not? After they busted my coupon against Cambridge every week in the FA Cup. Oh. Anyway, <laughs> enough of that. Um, let's let's come somewhat southwest of Newcastle, and we find ourselves on one side of Stanley Park, the blue side. Everton this week, first of all losing Luca Digne, and then disastrous result against Norwich. Saw Rafa Benitez's tenure ended somewhat abruptly. No surprise. Um, what is going on at Everton? Um, they they started the season. I think it was ten points in the first four games. Since then, they've won two, drawn three. Although of those fixtures, one of the wins was against Arsenal, and the three draws were Man U, Tottenham, and Chelsea. So that you sort of think, yeah, that sounds all right. And then when you look, they're losing to, and no disrespect to any team here, the Chris Wood effect side before you mention it, because they are good teams, but they're losing to Palace, Brentford, Watford, Norwich, Brighton. Um, yeah, anyone anyone got any ideas to help out the blue side and Merseyside? Well, this is Farad Mushiri's looking for his sixth permanent manager in six years. So I had a look through the list earlier. 
and this is some are permanent and some are just interim managers. So you've got Kuman, Unsworth, Allardyce, Marcus Silva, Duncan Ferguson, Ancelotti, Rafael Benitez. Um, so it's a hell of a that's a hell of a mix up, isn't it? Um, so they dismissed Benitez in a 40 word statement released by the club that was pretty ice cold, it must admit. And that leaves Everton without a decent left back, without a manager, without a re- head of recruitment, a, without a head of director of football, sorry. Um, so there's very little structure. It's the bare bones of a squad of a, of a club at the moment, um, despite half a billion being spent in that six years by Mashiri. Um, so uh, half Mishiri, a billion. Yeah. 500, 500 mil spent. That's over, disgusting. Over that who, have they got, who have they got to show for that? Oh, well, Charleston. Sigurdsson cost them the best part of 50 million. Um, yeah, who have they got to show for that exactly? Was Richarlison? Am I right in thinking he was nearly seventy million? I think it was was more of near fifty. What Jim said, fifty. Right. Okay. Um, but yeah, Mashiri's a bit like waiting of... for Godot, isn't he? He's kind of waiting for the right guy to come along, but isn't sure what he wants or, or how that works or, or anything at all. But um, so, you know, and to stagnate in the Premier League like Everton have done this season is to go backwards. Um, we've seen that with countless sides, Leeds, New Villa, Newcastle all going down over the last couple of decades because of stagnation. And I'm not saying they're going to go down, but it's, you know, they are relegation form right now. Nine losses in 13, I think. Um so it's a really, really dire situation, and it looks like they're going to try and try and persuade Roberto Martinez to come back. Um, yeah, eyebrows raised. Yeah, they made him an offer, according to David Ornstein. Um, whether he'd go for that or not, uh, God knows. But um, yeah, it's a bit of a shambles at the moment, isn't it? Will I don't I don't know what you'd take on. Yeah, and I think it has been like you said for those that list of managers. I mean, the only time you've kind of had much of a feel-good factor there. I think probably when Carlo came because it was a very big name. And then with the two temporary managers, like Duncan Ferguson, when he took over for a bit, it was definitely a bit of a lift there, wasn't it? Um, I, I don't know. I, I mean, this this was doomed from the off, this. Um, I think Ryan Hun said his sacking was way less surprising than his appointment. And when you consider that with a manager, it's pretty damning, isn't it? Um, he he would have had to have been achieving very well to to have got some love from those Evertonians. And actually what's happened is uh, John Muller had a line on The Athletic where they were playing pragmatic football without getting results, which is just a one-way ticket to a P45, isn't it, really? Um, I, it's a strange one with Mashiri as well because, on the one hand, he's he has spent the money and he is building the new stadium. I don't think there is a lack of desire, or it's not like you know negligent ownership in any way. It's it's just completely down to poor judgment. I think getting rid of your director of football and kind of being in a little bit of a you know halfway through Rafa's tenure and kind of there were already warning signs with Rafa there already. Now you're left without either of them, probably going to get a manager before you get a director of football. Then if you get a director of football that comes in and thinks, well, that's not the manager that I want, like you're still in a mess. And the squad smacks of that as well. You've got such a mixture of players that have been brought in. I always think they kind of mirror Man United in a way of like, there's just loads of managers that have gone there that haven't worked. They've been completely different to each other. And you've got players that completely resemble that and reflect that. So, if you look it's on a big job, yeah. If, if you look on FB Ref, and I don't, I don't know how accurate sort of they are. I mean, they're, they're very good, but the obviously they always list the formations that you play, that the teams play. Everton's is just a mishmash of various systems. So, I you know Benitez has gone in. What have I got? I've got a little bit of that system, a little bit of that, a little bit of that, and he just can't seem to get. Just any anything going with it? Because I think if you look at them statistically, I mean they're they're scoring goals, um, albeit it, it's shared around amongst players, and you know they're, they're missing uh, DCL, who's only started five times this year, mm. um, and I don't know they, they they obviously lost a few key players from last season. Now I know James, you know he 
he probably didn't end the season that well, but he certainly started it very well. We see Walcott there, um, Bernard as well, who was there. And it was interesting, something that Bernard said to Digne when he left, or if you sort of read, I don't know if, you, if you've seen this, there's there's a few messages wishing Indigne well, and Bernard did exactly that, but um, he almost seemed to imply that there were there were things going on behind the scenes where people weren't sort of believing in the club and believing in what they were trying to do there. And whether that was Benitez or or something else, so I sort of opened a can of worms, but it certainly looks like the players are good enough, and individually they might be returning half-decent numbers, but they're just... There's just no sort of um, cohesion in, in what they're doing and no direct plan. So perhaps Benitez leaving is uh, <laughs> is what they all, what they all wanted. But other than Martinez, who are the who are the options? Because I read something today and straight away Wayne Rooney's name was there. Uh, when I checked the odds last night, Wayne Rooney and Frank Lampard were the top two. When will oh, people learn dear. that this is not Hollywood? As much as we want it to be, we've tried, we've been here before and we've failed. You do not get a former legend back to the club to do that. If you're going to do that, just give it to Duncan Ferguson because he clearly has respect from the players. And if he doesn't, he's Duncan Ferguson, so he'll bloody get respect from the players. Um, he's he's done a reasonable job before. You know, like we said, there's been no plan whatsoever make him temporary manager until the end of the season. All you need to do is stay up this year because nothing else is going to happen for you. The squad is, especially with DCL coming back, the squad, barring an absolute collapse, will stay up. And then you get your director of football in at some point who can assess and go, right, that's the manager for us and have a bit of time on it. Yeah, okay, you could argue that temporary managers... And the red half of Manchester doesn't seem to be the smartest plan at the minute because players can say, oh, well, I'm not really playing for someone. But I think Duncan Ferguson has been part of the furniture for a long time, is a club legend, would have a lot of respect and would be more in the vein of like what Solskjaer was able to do and what he was when he was caretaker manager, I should stress there, um, and what he did in his first couple of stints. Um, I think you're probably going to get a bit of a bounce back anyway just because it seemed very very sour like in the stadium fans lots of banners for a really long time now so that would be the smart move for me you don't need to go and get Rooney to get an Everton culture I think that Everton culture clearly isn't working and they need someone from the outside um I get the whole big dunk big dunk thing I don't think that's sustainable and I think if Everton have an open checkbook they can go down to Brighton and try and prize Graham Potter away just because of the profile of Everton. They are a big, big, big club in this country with the seventh highest wage bill in the Premier League. They're not performing anywhere close to that at the moment. But to give that to someone like Rooney, especially, and Lampard would be almost negligible. That would almost be an asset like that in the hands of people. No offence to either of them. I'm sure they hope they go on to great managers, blah, blah, blah. But that would be ridiculous, I think. Um, But if they could get Graham Potter... Wouldn't you imagine Lampard would probably be on more money than Potter as well? Um, Just because of the name. Yeah, potentially. I don't know. I don't know, but I would imagine that's probably I'm not sure money motivates Frank at this stage. I mean, he's infinitely more rich than Graham Potter will ever be because of his playing career. So maybe there's something... He's got his children's books, hasn't he? Yeah, yeah, and his wife isn't sure of a penny either. So, you know, I I don't... I'm not sure about that one, but, you know, if if there's ever been a smart move would be to go for me, would be to try and get Graham Potter over um, over anyone. I agree with that. I'd get, uh, I'd bring Dan Ashworth along with him. Yeah, right. So we'll have your director of football. Yeah. I I think similarly, um, like similar sort of reasons for Hassan Hurtle. I think like he's been managing on a shoestring at Southampton. I would say he definitely is a tier below Graham Potter. I think we all know Graham Potter's going to go to a big club. And if you're Everton, you kind of have to act now because if he ends up at a, I don't know, say a Tottenham or similar sort of level of club, he's not going to then step down um kind of like a unless you'd have a bit of a like brendan rogers trajectory where it didn't work out at said big club but yeah struck while the iron's hot there and also i think hassan hurtle you know he's hands tied behind his back for a long time at southampton and actually yeah i know george likes to bring up the fact that he's uh, he's a bit of a crybaby but um he 
he is doing a really good job and is thought so highly of by everyone at that club. And you speak to journalists like Carl Anker and other journalists that have covered Southampton specifically, really uh, respected guy. So yeah, I think he's another good shout who doesn't seem to be getting linked. No. Can I say quickly one thing on Benitez? I know he's on like departing, but he, he there's three interesting characters, Mourinho, Benitez and Moyes, all similar age profile and, you know, the the former two, Benitez and, and Mourinho, have kind of lost their touch as they've moved into their, their 50s and not been able, I think, to connect with this generation of player. They've that their, their, their ability to connect with their players 10 years ago, 15, 20 years ago, was uh, sublime and, and the, the world's moved on and they've not been able to adapt, I think. And But Moyes is an interesting case where he really has. And... Uh, it, it, I think Gavin Jules was speaking something similar to this in their last week podcast, and it just made me think about how Moyes has clearly changed and and compared to his you know Portuguese and Spanish um, compatriot. I thought that was interesting. No, it definitely is. Um, so I, I wonder if Moyes would consider is that a sideways step West Ham to Everton? Yeah, I'd always consider it a step up. Not but... No. Yeah, he's he's set at West Ham, isn't he? Set there for life. Just just one question. I'm, I don't know if either of you know the answer to this. What's the deal with Moise Keane? Last season, he's out on loan at PSG. This season, he's out on loan at Juve. He's an Everton player. What, what, why are they sending him out on loan to clubs who are, well, better than Everton? What's does Anyone want any insight in that? Or do we just sort of leave a question mark and move on? Hopefully someone can answer it. Is he still? He's still. He is still on loan there. Okay, I suspect he'll be a Juventus player officially again in the summer. I've heard he is. Yeah, set to officially go there. I imagine it's a case of wages and player unrest. But yeah, I know what you mean. It's a bit of a head scratcher, mm. isn't it? And uh, just one more, one point to touch on. I saw this earlier, and I, I did laugh and I asked you two a question. I think I'm going to say, sorry, I think you touched on it. Apologies if it was you, Will. But the last, you said the last sort of decade or so, Everton have really sort of stagnated declined if you want to be as harsh as that so look, looking back through it their goal scorers take Lukaku out the question who one season scored 25 another 18 DCL got 16 last year who was the last person to score 16 in a season for Everton and if you two can get this I will stand on the football and salute you myself can we is it would it be and too Johnson. much to give us the season 95-96 I've just given you a clue 95, 96. I will stand oh. on the ball and salute you myself. Oh, uh, Kinchowskis. Kinchowskis. Yeah. He got 16 goals for them. Mm. United signed him. No, wait, that's why they, they sell him that summer? They sold him. Yeah, they sold him. Yeah. Sorry, yeah, he just sold him to Everton. Oops. Wow. Wonderful. There we go. Thankfully, I don't have to stand on a ball and salute you. Poor ball. Right, guys, we're going to have a break in about two minutes. But before we do... We're gonna second half is gonna be we're just gonna wax lyrical about African footballers in the Premier League. But before that point, I've got a little quiz for Will and Sai. I do like a quiz. Do I've like got a question for you actually as well, Jimmy. So I'll, I'll spring that one on you after. I'm 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 gonna give you five players, all African players in the Premier League, and I just want you to give me the um the African country <coughs> excuse me guys, the African country they, they came from. Easy, right? Well, uh, we'll take it in turns going first like a penalty. No, not like a penalty shootout. Completely opposite. Sorry, si, you're up. Rudy Gasted. <laughs> Algeria. No. Well. Uh, Ivory Coast. Benin. There's going to be one that hopefully you both get. Um... Wolves and Fulham player Ivan um, Cavaliero. Well, you can go first. Uh, I hope the listeners are screaming. Stop the googling. Sure yeah. Stop googling. Stop googling. No, I swear I'm not. I, oh, I, I really don't know. Uh, <laughs> Nigeria. I know it's not. But sorry. Burkina Faso. Oh, it's Angola. Oh, of course it is. Yeah. Pedro Obiang for West Ham. Oh, isn't he? Sai, you first. Oh, God. But is it an Come answer? on. I thought he was like the UAE. No, that's not my answer. Um, 
Oh, it's it's not Uganda, but I'm going to say Uganda. You're right, it's not. Well, <laughs> Cameroon, Equatorial Guinea. That was in there. That was buried. That in was there. in there. Ex Reading player Jimmy Kebe. Who's going first, me? Oh, sorry. Um, it's Will first. Sorry. I feel like Jimmy Kebe might be coach Ivan. Ivory Coast. Sai? Can't go the same answer, can I? Say his name one more time. Jimmy Kebe. Cameroon. Oh, it's Marley. And the last one I want you to both get. He's got the greatest name in football. Please be JJ Kotcha. Sorry, it's Marvellous and Camber. With a name it's, like that, is he Nigerian? It's, it's got to be first. Is he Nigerian with a name like He's that? not Nigerian. Is it Ethiopia? No, it's Zimbabwe. Wow. Damn. Shameful. Well, we didn't qualify for the for part two, talking about great African players, so we'll just leave you to it, Jimmy. <laughs> Wonderful. <laughs> I'm now going to tear holes in the African Nations Cup. No, you've got to come back and save me from myself. Get the name right for a start. African, African Cup of Nations. There we go. So, i got a question go. for you, though. Go on, go on. Uh, so, inspired by James Ward-Prowse's ridiculous free kick. Oh, sauce. Yeah. If you could have one player in your team that you were allowed to bring on just for special teams and then he could come off again. Mm-hmm. So you had say you had the best team in the world and the best <coughs> best, it was just special teams only. Let's go past or present. Okay. Who would you have? Ian Hart. I would, that was not the answer. I was just <laughs> just came to, he just did penalties and free kicks and he was really good at them, so that's you definitely want him just as special teams though, wouldn't you? Oh yeah. That's that's my Chris Wood signing me pulling Ian Hart out of the wilderness <laughs> there. <laughs> Ian Hart and Kieran Trippier as your fullback. Yes. Sorry? Be- this is a really beige answer, but it's Beckham. It's it's Beckham, right? Yeah. Nineteen ninety nine Beckham, that version. Pretty oh. pretty hard to beat. Mm. No, I wouldn't go with that. I know, you said Ian Hart. Yeah, yeah, for this. Thing. Yeah. <laughs> All right. You've already lost, Jimmy. I've already lost. I'm going to go back to you know, the the game everyone remembers where Beckham scored the free kick against Greece to send us send us all delirious and ended up um one of my friends punching my living room light out, which was really quite entertaining. That game, Beckham wasted free kick after free kick after free kick. Mm. I know when the chips were down he did it, but if you bring him off the bench, you want him all the time on it. That's why I've gone Ian Hart. That's exactly what he was. On that note, before they can mock him any more, guys, we're going to have a quick break and we're going to come back to have some fun with African footballers. Welcome back, listeners. In the break there, I've had a good old choke and a cough and Will has commented how much he likes seeing me cough in silence. I don't blame him. I wish I could cough in silence. Anyway, African players in the Premier League, um, inspired by... The African Cup of Nations, although I believe it used to be called the African Nations Cup and who knows why they're changing it, probably to try and brighten it up a little because it lacks most things. Move on, Jim. Not not chaos. Well, that's the only thing it brings. Chaos is the only yeah. thing it brings. If, what more do you want? Uh, well, you, you don't actually, do you? I, I was thinking to myself, I was trying to liken, after liken it to a korma, the, like a, a footballing korma the other day because it's bland in terms of football action. I think in terms of chaos, it's it's if it was a Saturday night out, it would be a stag doing butlings or something. I mean, it's absolute carnage. We love it. <laughs> Shaking his head, I've upset Mr. Darch. Anyway, let's do something we can all mutually agree on here. African players in the Premier League. We are well, far far too many to name and far too far too many to know where they all came from, as Will and Side proved before the break. So, moving on from that side, who is your favourite? Let's let's dive in with the best. Who is your favourite? Not saying who is the best, but who is your favourite African player we have had in the Premier League? Oh, um, favourite. Favourite is different, isn't it? Um, favourite, yeah. Uh, do you, do you, do you want to start best and we work up to it? 
So technically, my favourite should be Patrick Vieira because he was born in Senegal, but he did obviously represent France, so he can't really go with him. And I don't want to be all like re- recency biased, but I love Mohamed Salah. I bloody love Mohamed Salah so much. It pains me. Um, so he might be... Certainly, I think he's the best that's ever played in a Premier League African player for me. Um, and my other favourite would be... Uh, I quite liked JJ Okocha, obviously. Um, I think a peak Alex Song was quite good at times. I quite liked a bit of peak Alex Song when he was just flicking balls over to Van Persie. Um, when he was claiming trophies from Eric Abadar. I love that. That's horrible to watch, isn't it? That's, oh, I can't watch it. It's like, I can yeah, see it now. This level of cringe. Yeah. Um, the look on his face of just like, oh, you guys. Oh, it's horrible. <sighs> But I love an unsung hero, like people who normalized, you know, good performing, you know, African players like Jeremy and Lauren and um, Ron, uh, uh, Benny McCarthy, people like like characters like Lucas Radaby from South Africa. Like, I think I love those sort of players because of their story um, and and their ability to kind of like homogenize African players in the Premier League. Like we just got totally used to these guys being in there and not having to be you know, a George Ware type player, but, you know, just a really solid, good right back um, or something like that. So those sort of unsung heroes are really, are really, I've always really enjoyed. Um, but I'm interested to hear Mr. Darsh's on, well. more on, enlightened well. list, I'll be honest. Yeah, so I really liked, um, really liked your shout for Laura on there. I think he was a proper underrated and unsung hero. Um, totally agree with like the points you made there. Um, I and like we've got to say JJ Kocha and I will definitely come back to JJ Kocha when we start talking about favorite moments um I, d- I did even though he was the ultimate villain it was kind of like in an MF Doom like made villain being a villain just super cool um Drogba was absolutely phenomenal like I'd never seen a player who just seemed like he had a complete stadium cheering just for him as when he went on that um, would have been UEFA Cup, I suppose, rather than Europa League um, campaign with Marseille just before he signed for Chelsea. He was just like they had Tifos just completely depicting his face. Um, and he like every time any Marseille player got the ball, it was like, where's Drogba? Where's Drogba? He was just sensational. Absolutely love him. But probably... I'm going to have to go again. I'll come back to this when we do our uh, moments. But Tony Yaboa leads as Tony Yaboa. Oh, my goodness. So my childhood friend, uh, um sure he's not listening, um, but Matt, he uh, he was a Leeds fan, came from like family of Leeds fans. And I was kind of like just getting into football at the time. And uh, he lent me his Tony Yaboa video and VHS and uh yeah it was so good that i was like yeah i'm not giving this back and I've, it's probably still in my parents house somewhere because yeah, it's just glorious goal after glorious goal that man was an absolute machine and again like a cult hero i just absolutely loved watching him play lovely I'm, I'm can gonna... i jump in with another quick story about african player that i think is really important to talk about is mark vivian foe who yeah. you know again he's not gonna well actually if funny enough in the research about african players and and i saw mark vivian ferre's name and obviously how could you not remember the story um about how he how he died in 2003 but prior to that in the late 90s he was earmarked apparently by united to replace roy Keane in the late 90s and i never knew this but before the 98 world cup um there was a, basically a contract done with united um uh, but he broke his leg in the tournament and had, they, they all fell through and obviously just things moved on. But, you know, he, a really beloved player for Man City and West Ham, Mark Vivian Foe, um, before passing away in on duty for Cameroon. So, yeah, definitely needs a shout out, I think. Cool, I can't believe that's 2003. Yeah. Mm. yeah wow. Really sad. Wow. Oh, well, the, 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 well said. the three, uh, yeah, definitely, definitely. Great point. He was actually on my he was on my list of, of players, but I didn't realise it was that long ago. Crikey. The um my three favourites I sort of wrapped rap through here. Um Finidi George at Ipswich. Right winger. Mm. I 
don't know what it was. I just uh, fun, fun. He was just, he was just fun. Um, another player who I thought was a lot of fun was the Yak Yakubu um, when he was around. Ninety-five Premier League goals and the profile of the clubs that he played for showed how good he. You know, that's, this is really harsh again, but he wasn't a top four, top five sort of at a club like that, and he managed ninety-five Premier League goals. Um, and he built like a yak as well, wasn't he? He was a big old unit. And I love, um, sorry to jump in there, just while we're on Yukibi, because, uh, yeah, I love Yukibi as well. I always feel like 95, we're just five goals short, like robbed of a, you know, the sky does mm. the 100 club. Like, that'd be a lovely compilation. Yeah. Um, but I remember Harry Redknapp talking about him when he did his first, when he played his first game. I think he was on trial at Portsmouth. He didn't speak any English. Um, so they asked him his name and he just kept saying Henri. So he played with Henri on the back of his shirt. What he was trying to say was, I know Thierry Henri. I really like Thierry Henri. So played a full game with Henri on the back of his shirt, apparently. Love it. I think Love that it. was your QB. I'm really sorry if that was someone else, but I'm pretty sure it was your QB. We'll, uh, we'll have a, a look. And we ago, can... I watched whatever that was. We can always put a disclaimer on social media if we're if you're wrong, Will. And yeah. my my final player here, and this um, it's a little nod. I think to I think Joe probably would have picked him, or certainly the a member of the Harmon team would have done. Is Peter and Love? He was. Uh, I always remember. I'm, I'm going to show my age now. A match of the day, ninety three, ninety four, Coventry in the Premier League, and um, that guy sort of tearing it up early season. And I think probably that season, like Coventry and Norwich were the pace setters. Which just shows how times have changed. But he was um a Zimbabwe international. Not only ever played with Marvellous and Camber, but um yeah. Probably a probably a friend of Mr. Grobler as well. well. I don't I was actually gonna put Bruce Grobler in there, but yeah. um did he play Premier did he play in the Premier League then? Uh, yeah. He must yeah. have done the early days, must have done. Yeah, he definitely did. Um I think it's really bad we've got this far into a list without saying the name Yaya Torre, um, who is you know why I think why Yaya is so important and this problem about how football was kind of um, spoken about in certain parts of the media or, or anywhere about um, the language used around African or, or black players and particularly about being powerful, strong, fast, etc. The kind of old uh, cliche tropes that we're, we're all aware of. But you know I think Yaya was one of the players who seminally changed how we speak about African players because he was so technical, he was so skilled, mm. he was so gifted. Um, yeah, he was obviously as well extremely fast uh, and powerful as well. That's just a coincidence. But, you know, he, he's... I think he really helped change <coughs> how people view African players, talk about African players. He's obviously super important to, for Man City, but I think he's really important to the Premier League in that respect as well. Um, and just a beast as well, like an incredibly good, amazing player. I love watching Actually, that. oh yeah, I'm actually struggling to think of a anyone that you would, anyone else you, you'd liken to him. Right, yeah. He, I, I mean, even... you'd go old school and go like, he's a Rijkaard. It may seem he's yeah, a Rijkaard, yeah. but um, there aren't many like him mm. at all. No, um, no phenomenal not at all. player. And part of an Ivorian, um, that Ivorian golden generation um, with the Kalu brothers, um, Drogba, obviously, um, Yaya brother, his brother, yeah. Kolo, who also won a Premier League. I mean, God, he's, he's an invincible, for crying out loud, um, Kolo Torre. So, yes. Uh, as is Kanu, um, who is well, an absolute joy. On, um, we'll touch on it a minute ago. Obviously, y Yakubu was five short of. Uh, of getting to the 100 club, but there was another African player who was three short of getting to the 100 club. And he actually, he's, uh, he's one of the ones I was going to give an honourable mention to in sort of my favourite favorite moments. And that's Adebayor. He got 97 Premier League goals. And one of my favourite Premier League moments um, was him scoring at Manchester City and then running the length of the pitch to celebrate in front of, in front of the opposing Arsenal fans at the time and absolutely giving it the big one. Um, just just the raw emotion of the man that day to run that length and, and stick That's it to them. That's one of those things that you just think, did that really happen? Yeah. <laughs> Please speak about JJ, uh, William. Go on, Will. Yeah, so JJ Okocha. I mean, everything about you need to know about JJ Okocha. Sorry, sorry, Will, before, before, before you do, you have to say the cliche. You, you know. So good. Yes. So good they named him. Thank you. JJ Thank you, Okocha. done. Um, he he sort of uh, <coughs> summed up 
um, that Bolton team really, didn't he? Like they had players that they had no right in having almost. Hierro, um, Jokaev, Jokaev, yeah, thank you. Ivan Campo, just what a collection of talent. Michael Ricketts, player, player. Kevin Davies, um, how they, how they managed to sign all of those, I have no idea. Allardyce was clearly bunging, I can't say that. Um, but anyway, (laughs) they had JJ Kocha from Paris Saint-Germain and he was the most fun player. Like you would tune in to Premier League highlights. I think it was on the Premiership in those days rather than uh, match of the day just to watch JJ Okocha. He was so good. And everything you like need to know about his game can be summed up when he had Ray Parler on the touchline and he just ended him basically. Just Ray Parler still doesn't know where the ball is. It was just trickery beyond belief. The only person I would probably liken him to is maybe... Ronaldinho, no? Ronaldinho, yeah. yeah. Amazingly, they played in the same squad in the same year. So the 2000... They were at PSG together, zero zero oh one season at PSG. That would have been a fun training ground. JJ Ococcio and Ronaldinho, wow. But um... Unless you're anyone else, because... Yeah, you're not touching the ball. Know where the ball is, yeah. <laughs> so, I want to say were... to... Two quick names of, of great African players that never were great in the Premier League, but they need to be mentioned, which is George Ware and Samuel Eto'o, um, who arguably between them are probably pound for pound the greatest ever African players to ever play to play the game, maybe in my opinion, but um, it's just an opinion. Um, but yeah, I mean, Eto'o played for Everton and Chelsea, Ware for City and Chelsea, I think. Um, and they're both just, yeah, giants of African football. So... Etu's iconic uh, old man celebration as well yeah. was oh, that was yeah. so order so, number so five good. shirt one player that yeah mad. yeah so I, I quite like that I always remember Bar- Barosh wearing number five at Liverpool I quite like it when a striker goes rogue like that um, but it's got to be that kind of player right you know yeah someone else who doesn't get enough love for how good he was Michael Essien was an absolute machine he was such a complete midfielder so jealous of Chelsea having him and when he was in the midfield alongside Balak he just thought what's the point like no one else has got a chance did, they were did, so good did him and Makaleli ever play together yeah for a bit I think it's towards Makaleli's like wind down um but SEN because when he first came he was um a bit more he was an eight wasn't he that, yeah, exactly. A bit kind of like Kante-esque, like just would be everywhere on the pitch, but so, so dominant. So he could just do everything, SEN. He was like phenomenal player um, and won everything really with Chelsea. That goal against Arsenal. That <coughs> goal the one from behind, oh the, behind the goal, yeah. you know, behind the goal ball, sorry. Unbelievable. I was, yeah, it looked, it's criminal. It was an equaliser that needs to win a game. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's a great moment, isn't it? Um, trying to think of some more moments, but um, I've got, I've got, got yeah. a couple. I mean, firstly, there's there's loads of players we haven't touched on. I I did want to bring in Freddie Canute because I know he's the most laid back yeah. man in football. I think, but actually, sort of reading up about him, this whole attitude that he was he was a laid back footballer, sort of off the pitch. He's sort of devout follower of Islam, and he's he's fasted. I mean, obviously. Uh, I'm right in saying Ramadan's always, it's, it's never in a football season in terms of traditional sort of August through to May, um, or maybe towards the tail end of it. He was he was always a fun, fun player. And obviously he went to Sevilla and probably fulfilled his potential out there. Um, two moments that I love. One, you have to shed a tear for this guy. He was brought on as a sub to play out of position. He was brought on for Sami Nasri, played left midfield as a right back had possibly one of the worst ever footballing experiences in anyone's life and then got pulled off with about a minute to go as Arsenal beat Wigan 1-0. Um, it was poor old Emmanuel Obue. He got booed by his home fans. He had such a shocking game. And I thought I thought it was horrific the way he was treated that day for someone. All right, he, he wasn't a Lauren, but he was a fun footballer, Obue. But that day, bless him, I... It's like he downed a bottle of vodka before he walked on the pitch. He was once dressed up at the Arsenal Christmas party in a full lion costume, 
And as every single person walked in, he was stood behind the door and jumped out and said, rah! <laughs> Wow. Sums up Emmanuel Abue. Or when he um, when the, when he's played North Korea in the 2010 World Cup, and the North Korean manager's given some instructions to one of his players, and Abue stands there, um, you know, nodding and agreeing like he can understand um, <laughs> the instructions that are happening in Korean. I love that. Two names as well, quickly. I just want to put in there, just because they're, 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 we don't think about them because they're playing currently. But Mad- Mares and Mane um, will go down as mm. giants of African football in the Premier League. They're like hyper, hyper elite players. Um, so I, and I love Sadio Mane as well. So just because he's also an awesome bloke as well. He's like, doesn't he pay for like his whole, a whole village back in his hometown, home country of Senegal or, or the infrastructure for the, his hometown? Um, he's obviously a really nice guy. So, yeah. Lovely stuff. Um, obviously, you, we've mentioned Yeboa in terms of great African players scoring goals in the, in the Premier League. But the one goal that I think would would run it close was mystifying magic. Apart from Papi Cisse, Newcastle against Chelsea, that strike it looked like it Two was goals one game. Oh, the, the, obviously the one I think it was, yeah, I'm sure it was um, Petr checking goal. It looked like it was going to just go wide of his right right hand post, and in the end, it's lobbed over him and nestled in the left hand corner. Absolute wonder strike. How do you even conceive that? How did he even see it? It doesn't make sense, that goal, does it? Every time I watch mm. it, it just makes less sense. It's such a great goal. There was a period in time where you could just bet on Cissé scoring. That Dembaba-Cissé yeah. relationship was brilliant. Yeah, I mean, that Newcastle side for that year was unreal. Um, yeah. Under Pardew, our Pardew. Next thing, the well, manager, Alan Pardew. That was, was that when, around the same time they had Ben Arthur? Yeah, Ben Arthur, Cabai. Um, <coughs> yeah. yep rest in peace great African yeah. player actually yeah mm. didn't he score a wonder goal so, as well the 4-4 or equaliser equaliser against Arsenal yes yeah yeah, yeah that's a great yeah, that's a great Premier League moment mm. that's real Sky Sports mm. juicy stuff that's uh, the stuff they run in the morning actually yeah <laughs> um. when you're working from home my uh, sort of dipping a little bit outside of, uh, I mean, you have Asamoah Jan, who was, of course, uh, of Sunderland. Um, but going to the 2010 World Cup, I don't think I've ever been so sad watching football as watching that game. I tortured myself with the highlights of Ghana, Uruguay. Oh, Suarez. Uh, yeah, oh man, Suarez crying and then running down the tunnel in celebration. Just, oh man, talk about super villains. I mean, oh, the shit house series is unbelievable, isn't it? In that moment, that is it's next level. Yeah, absolute next level. And then just the heartbreak of the Jian's penalty miss and then the penalty loss. Uh, and Sebastian Abreu, remember him? He scores the deciding Penenka for Uruguay, and you just think that's oh Garnet you just like they were so close on so many occasions you just thought please score please score and of uh, course I think the player that did score that day was another player who was in the Premier League for a while but probably better known or had a better time in Italy uh, Sully Montari mm. he scored the uh, the Ghanaian goal that day right yeah love the back, Black Stars though he was a player, actually. And he, obviously, Portsmouth. Just yeah. unbelievable. There's, I mean, I'm sure anyone listening to this could probably name 10, if not 20 players we've not mentioned. There's, there's far too many. Are we all set on who is the best, though? Are we all are we all going to agree that it is Mo Salah? He has the most goals, 113, compared to Drogba, 104, Mane, 103, it, and just just an exceptional talent. You know, it's it's reportable news when there's a slight dip in form of Salah. He has a bad game and they're all over it, and then he just comes back and just keeps delivering. Um, are we gonna are we gonna rival anyone to Salah? And I appreciate it because I've gone goal scorers and strikers there, but yeah, I think I agree, Jimmy. I think it's you probably you know as awards rightly should in football you steer towards goal scorers and game winners, um, and 
there is there has been none that are better than Mo Salah as far as African Premier League players are concerned. And it's quite astonishing that the only one maybe that could rival him, don't think does, but sort of pushes him closest is in the same team as him. Yeah. Um, and it's it's really easy or too easy to discard current players, I think, and just kind of go retroactive. But in this instance, you can see the greatness. We're lucky enough to see it every week and it will just seem even better when he's uh, not doing it anymore. But hopefully that's a long way off. Yeah, I, I spilt my beans earlier in the piece and I, I definitely most Salah. It's not even close to me. Um, he's he's actually fast becoming in my all-time Premier League 11, I think. He's starting to get to that territory, isn't he? He's starting to get, definitely get in the top five, knocking on that top five um, of all-time Premier League players for me. He's getting there. We've still got more to, to come as well, which is... Very, very exciting. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, plenty more to come. Maybe we can play out on that song that Joe sent. Yes, more well, maybe with the bleep machine in 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 action. <laughs> bleep machine on overdrive. Definitely. Can I, can I quickly just give some love to two results from the African Cup of Nations yesterday? I had a little look, Jimmy. It was called the uh, African... Nations Cup. I thought it was. Fair play. Yeah, it is, yeah. But it is now AFCON, and yesterday was a donker of a day. Uh, You had Algeria losing their 35-match undefeated streak since they, like, held since they last won the tournament. Uh, The reigning champions, of course, they were defeated by Equatorial Guinea. Um, an amazing, amazing sort of resolute um, performance from them. And Algeria have a lot of work to do and they have Ivory Coast to do it against. So that's going to be really, really interesting. Um, And then also just a crazy, crazy game and the craziest of ends to Ivory Coast game against Sierra Leone. The goalie. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Oh, what is he doing? the, The turf, I've never seen, like, it looks like it explodes. So the keeper goes to claim the ball and the turf just explodes and his knee kind of like pops up in the air and the ball leaves his hands. There's a Sierra Leone player that is able to sort of like near him and scrambles it across goal. And I was describing it to side this morning and I think the only thing that actually takes it in because there's an Ivory Coast defender who's really well positioned to make the block. But goal scorer... He slips, doesn't he? Doesn't he he slip at first, then stands up and then scuffs it? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. And it ends up taking it kind of above the foot that's outstretched. And um, yeah, it was just bonkers. Ends up going in um, as our Hadji camera. And then he, he, have you seen his celebration? I, I haven't seen the celebration, no. It's like shirt off, a bit like um, Gomez. Uh, used to do like the pants. Oh yeah, <laughs> kind of like that, crawling towards the camera. But the whole team are on their hands and knees, like doing it around them. Just so much fun, um, and yeah, you could see the emotion as well. And then the keeper was injured, and the grossest thing happened. Serge Aurier went in goal. Oh. So <laughs> I said to Jack, "I'm going to put Serge Aurier in goal." And just pray to chaos every single night. Put it above my bed. I, I don't know if you've seen the still. It's on the it's on the BBC website of the moment the poor keeper drops the ball, but it's like he's doing the worm, and he's just eating the dirt. His body's in the air. His his face planted. The ball's nowhere, and all he can do is let, he he doesn't move. Was the striker or the the guy closest to him wins the ball and puts it into the puts it into the middle. He just sat there watching, hoping and praying. No justice is served there. Poor guy. Poor guy. Anyway, yeah. I'm. Uh, hopefully I'm not being poor old Janny Sakazui here. Hopefully I've said his name. The old ref that blew too early. Talking of chaos. Um, hopefully I'm not doing that in ending tonight's pod. Gents, any other business we want to bring up? Or is, uh, has, has Janny done a good job in, in calling time here? Perfect. Perfect. There we go. Yeah. There's no there, well timed. There's no sunstroke. No yeah, there we go. Yeah. Good stuff. Listeners, thanks for joining us. Hopefully we've entertained you, caused 
caused chaos, asked lots of questions, answered absolutely nothing, and you can go about your week pondering why this last hour was what it was. I'm blaming AFCON. Thank you, listeners. See you again soon. Thank you.